Welcome to the Irish Tech News Podcast, presented by the tech doctor, Ronan Leonard. Hi, welcome to the Irish Tech News Podcast. Today I'm talking with Tommy Kearns, the CEO and co-founder of Extreme Push. Good morning, Tommy. How are you doing? Uh, good morning, Ronan. Uh, delighted to be here. Thanks. Tell me a bit about your background. Um, uh, yeah, I suppose so. I've been in the mobile technology uh, business for about 20 years now, uh, dating back to the uh, first generation of value-added services, kind of ringtones and logos and SMS. Uh, then I, I kind of I spent a good bit of time in the Caribbean yeah. uh, rolling out value-added service uh, uh, business uh, out there. So again, SMS, kind of text to screen and doing partnerships with publishers and media companies. Then I ended up... Uh, um, Starting up my own business in Mexico, I got an opportunity to go to Mexico and uh, made some good relationships there, and uh, s- uh, spent three years there. Uh, built up the business, and uh, uh, basically that business was exactly the same as the as the Caribbean business, all doing kind of uh, the Fame Academy or uh, Pop Idol yeah. type text the screen for the for the media companies, and then came back to Ireland. Uh, so kind of in came back to Ireland and started a, a, another business which was. Um, application mobile application yeah. business uh, with a business partner of mine Pork Shanley and uh, basically we were the kind of first and second generation app developers and system developers so we would have built kind of over three or four hundred uh, mobile applications at that point in time um, kind of from the Symbian first generation all the way to the when Steve Jobs opened up the app store yeah. and we did all that so even in the UK and Ireland we would have built most of the, the kind of second generation apps uh, so yeah uh, did that one of the big problems though uh, at that point in time was um you know the cmos or the the, the marketing directors and the ceos were kind of buying these applications yeah. uh, off us but they were coming back to us to say look at that's great we now have one hundred and fifty thousand downloads uh, but you know we can't talk to these people uh, and, and it was kind of around that time that um both Apple and Google opened up their gateways for push notifications yeah. and kind of um, in-app messaging. Uh, so that's kind of how we spawned and kind of um, extreme push, uh, the extreme push platform, you know. So you went around when WAP was, was king. That's exactly right. WAP was a great, uh, it actually, uh, we, we, we developed both the Symbian and the WAP, uh, the WAP first and then the Symbian-based yeah. uh, applications uh, and we did it at a, at a at scale, both here, UK and Europe. Uh, yeah, there was something for the podcast about that. So, so you would remember the old, the good old WAP days. Oh, absolutely! Uh, not not the best customer experience no, at the time, but it, it was. Wasn't. But it was the value. You know, it was still good uh, value content to get at that point in time. The only thing is, using WAP those days, the cost uh, for for data was yes, cheap, correct. and you couldn't get much on the screen. There was yeah, correct. You couldn't get so much on the screen. You could uh, you hadn't got all you could eat data. Uh, it was exceptionally slow to get the content, uh, and yeah, uh, we thanks be to God we've moved on. A lot since yeah, then. I remember using Pope trying to get the rugby score yeah. on our two website. It was very, very slow. Yeah, no, it was. It was. Uh, having said that, it it spawned all the next generations. Yeah. Like everything, like technology, it moves. It moves at a pretty uh, rapid pace. You know. Yeah, in Mexico, did you meet Carlos Slim? I didn't meet Carlos Slim, unfortunately. I did yeah. meet his nemesis, though, a guy called Ricardo Salinas. I yeah. met him. So we did an awful lot of business with um, Ricardo Salinas' uh, group called um, the Salinas Group, uh, basically. They had they owned the TV, the MNOs, yeah. 
they own Banco Azteca, they own the largest and still do uh, own the largest white goods company in Latin America called uh, um, Electra. So it was part of the Grupo Salinas. And were we based in Mexico City? Based in Mexico City. Yeah. <clears throat> based in Mexico City. Uh, I had an office in Mexico City and I had an office in Monterrey. Yeah. And at that time, um, Mexico City was kind of um, quite complex, yeah. right? Uh, but but actually, I never uh, experienced any um, any kind of um, harsh times up there. I was in the kind of you know you just knew where to go and where not to go. Yeah. But a great place to do business, um, um, as long as you knew the culture and you made an effort with the culture. Because I used, I lived there for a while in the nineties for a summer. There, my father's working in the DFA. And he was working way down south. He was working basically at a place considered the, the the common. Yeah, yeah. It's Playa, is it beside Playa del Carmen? Yeah. yeah, yeah and it yeah. was way down basically uh, near Guatemala border. Yeah. And he was working there for an old company. So he, he spent, he was there for two, three years. Okay. And in, in, back in those days, the drug cartels were on with the world now, so it was, it was yeah. kind of very safe when we were yeah. down there. Yeah, yeah. So we were there for six weeks and went up to, to Merida. Oh, lovely. Lovely, very nice place. Yeah, we were yeah, up yeah. to Merida and everything else, and it was... Okay. We're up there, we got to see all these uh, old, old 1970s cars, like yeah. basically going to 1950s Cuba. Yeah. So I was like, I was, I was watching it all up to the coach, actually, yeah. you know, all these 1970s yeah. cars, and it was very, yeah. very nice. Yeah. But I remember when I was there, we went to this uh, place called the, uh, where the pyramids were. One of the top pyramids, there was a big plain field, and you go into the plain so field. So you were in Tulum? Yeah. Were you in Tulum? Yeah. Yeah, yeah and, was, and we were in this uh, <coughs> big field, and they said, in ancient times, they used to have a sport, and the losing team, Cut the hot cut out to the very top of the temple. Yeah. So you woke up the temple. I woke up the temple, and I heard two scratches moaning. One was Monty, the other missing Brookside. <laughs> I'm thinking you're in you're in this gorgeous place, middle yeah. of nowhere, seeing all these kind of lo- lovely creatures, and you saw a lot of guanes all around there. Yeah. And suddenly you will never see in your lifetime, and he's complaining about you missing Brookside. Yeah, yeah, no, no. His mate was going. Would you get alive? Yeah, yeah, totally. No, totally. I know it's an unbelievable, beautiful country. Um, Monterey, uh, also lovely, lovely place as well. It it actually started to become complex when we left uh, uh, Mexico as well. Yeah. But great, great part of the world. Yeah, it is. And I, uh, I love the food. Was there, when I was there, everything was, was kind of cheap. Yeah, look at like they, to be honest with you, the, the Mexicans there, there's a similarity uh, in in their culture to us. Even you know that uh, they're very very kind of affable people. They they want to get on. Yeah. Uh, they're you know they're not that unlike the Irish. They got a work ethic. Which they got a great work ethic. Which I like. Because uh, the when he was there, he was saying that that yeah. when he was there with locals, he had to learn a language because when he was there, he said he spent some time learning Spanish, but he knew Portuguese pretty well. Yeah. He spent time in Brazil, yeah. so because that was very similar. So he said, I learned Spanish. And I got to uh, blend in with the locals. Yeah, and it was very. I think that's key. Like it was probably one of my biggest regrets when I was down there. I, I could understand uh, mm. Spanish, uh, but I couldn't. I couldn't get to the to the fluent. Uh, oh, I couldn't. Get, I couldn't become fluent. Yeah, no, no, absolutely. Yeah, and it's probably one of my one of my regrets when I was down there uh, yeah, was I didn't get to that level of. Yeah, because companies you work for were basically drilling contractors, and they're hired by the Spanish government. You had about forty supply ships that were supplying all those oil rigs. Yeah. So you, you, you go down and you see him get a map of what goes where, plotting his boats where they're going to go, and then at the times you go down there, and there'd be occasions running the boats, and they have cooked the most amazing food. Yeah. So if, if we weren't, we weren't there, he'd go down on board to have the, the the best food ever, yeah. you know, all these Cajun food oh, yeah. and, else, and yeah. all this stuff. He says it's great. Oh yeah, unbelievable. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah they're they're still still my my yeah. favorite. Yeah. Like back to ex- extreme push. What actually do you do? Yeah, okay, so what do we do, uh, Ronan? I suppose maybe if I if I start it with why we exist. Yeah. Uh, so the problem we are solving is uh, we help customers 
understand their digital users. Yeah. Uh, what does that mean? Uh, right. So we un- uh, help them understand on websites and on uh, mobile phone apps the behavior, the digital touch points, yeah. the transactions. Right, and then we help automate you know we have a decisioning engine or intelligent engine in the, in the middle where basically we help automate the communications to those consumers so yeah. it can be service or marketing uh, or transactional but like for example we might be um, um, helping a registration journey within a bank yeah. where they're trying to open an account and they're not getting through and we are able to identify where their pain points are in that journey and then we can recover them with some um, digital messaging, be it push notifications, be it in-app messaging, be it SMS, be it email, uh, be it any sort of, as in web pop-ups or any yeah. of that. So w- what we have basically is a, a platform that um, has all of the channels, yeah. all right? So be it push, SMS, email, uh, social, um, web pop-ups, etc., all in one platform that helps uh, brands have um, a communication hub uh, and talk absolutely personalized and relevantly uh, to their customers. So you guess if you've got something on a website and, and plan to leave, they're there less than a minute, you can send a notification tell them what they're missing. That's exactly right. Uh, and, w- but, and what we get is where we're very, very good at is because we have this kind of brain in the middle is we help them understand is it should you be talking to them about that you know is there enough intent is there enough behavior is there enough what was their past uh, behavior like because there's nothing worse than sending customers or 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 users uh, information content offers whatever it is unless they're interested in it we're in a we're in a, a consumer experience uh, world now and uh, uh, if if you don't get it right, yeah. you're going to be uh, basically thrown off the pitch, for want of a better word. Yeah, I guess if if you know what, what they're looking at in that minute, you can then decide where it should be, what they should be looking at next, and tell them this. Correct. So they're not going to go, they're going to go, oh, by the way, you were looking, but do you know we do, we do this as well? This might be up your alley, and then I... Uh, re-engage them correct that's exactly what we do uh, yeah. and we do it at scale we, you know, we, we do it for, for across you know five main verticals so banking e-commerce uh, meet TV uh, publishing and TV travel and transport yeah. and sports betting and gaming uh, yeah. so and we do it uh, you know we do it at scale globally so tell me about your recent deal you did with LifeScore um yeah, so look, a phenomenal year. Um, uh, LiveScore is definitely one of the highlights. Uh, I suppose to, uh, to give a bit of context, LiveScore is, is the biggest, uh, largest digital sports digital publisher in yeah. the world. Um, again, to give you more context, um, they have over 50 million monthly active app users. All right. Wow. Uh, and again, to put it into perspective, the big apps uh, globally would have a lot less than that. Um, and they have 200 million unique website users a month, okay? So, again, I suppose to put it in terms, it's like having Facebook on your platform, yeah. all right? So we, we won that business uh, early early this year, mm-hmm. uh, and basically they're, they're, we're bringing them on the, a full um, multi-channel engagement journey. So we've basically plugged our platform in, we become the, the intelligent engine, and then all of the automated um, uh, customer engagement. So we do SMS, we do email, we yeah. do push, we do web browser push for them. And the key thing for them is all around, uh, you know, kind of acquisition of new users, all right, 
uh, engagement, okay, all the kind of things that we touch on, and then retaining and growing their user base. So for us, uh, you know, doing it at scale, you know, their, their, their speed of delivery is massively important for them um, in, in the publishing world. And then I suppose secondly, it's the scale of their, of their you know, there's trillions of data points a month with them. Yeah, and I guess basically they're obviously American-based, but they do good work. Well, actually, they're global-based. Would you believe? Um, and I only got this stat lately because we did a workshop yeah. with them lately. They are in, they have coverage globally 98% of the world. Yeah. All right? Now, so they're dotted around, but they're based out of the UK, the States, Africa. They, they, they have offices in, I think, 10 or 15 countries but like they have 90% coverage globally that's, that's you know like that's that's what you call serious scale yeah and you I guess know? once you're with them it's usually just to get any business because you can say well one of our current clients is these guys correct it can't get bigger than them yeah yeah, they're so big that some of the operating systems in different uh, territories yeah uh, are working with them to roll out solutions yeah. based on that so I guess basically you got you, that, that's very impressive so my own systems, you're talking about Android and iOS, you're talking about Windows and Mac. We're talking about all of that, and yeah. we're talking about, uh, for example, the Opera browser in, yeah. in Africa, which is kind of for kind of first generation uh, smartphones. Yeah. So they're, they're that big. Because I know that in Africa, they're using the old generation phones, but stuff they do with those phones are things that they use as, as mobile banking. Well, sorry, if you, if you take a look at M Pesa, M Pesa has been around at least. 10 to 12 years, yeah. all right? And that is basically uh, mobile banking, yeah. all right? And they've been doing it while we're all, we're only kind of getting into the fintech and the yeah. challenger and the neobanks, etc. They've been doing it for, uh, on on old kind of feature phones, yeah. they've been doing it for, for 10 years plus. So, yeah, it just shows you what you can do when you put your, your focus yeah, together, you know? A couple of years ago, I was on a MasterCard, uh, up in the Innovation Hub, and they were telling me that people there were very, very, Simple phones that can do mobile banking, and as in, as in Ireland, we're, we're still getting used to that. Yeah, I think. Look at I, yeah, and I think, but I think there's a big wave, and well, there's a big push from all banks, yeah. Irish and globally. Uh, I, I'm really speaking around the more traditional banks of trying to get up to uh, that kind of beautiful yeah. customer experience, and and they're trying exceptionally hard. But you know, you know, in in fairness to them. Uh, if you take a look at the challenges in front of them compared to a neobank, which yeah. has no legacy, all right, starting from scratch, yeah. all right, yes, they have challenges of regulation, compliance, legal, etc., right, uh, licensing, mm-hmm. but they don't have the legacy um, systems uh, and all of everything else that comes with a transformation program in large banks. Yeah. So where we fit into that context because uh, we actually work at it with an awful lot of traditional banks yeah. uh, while they, you know we can plug you know plugging into a neobank is just literally uh, you know it's, it's like it's easy it's, yeah. uh, but into a traditional bank we become a layer that sits on top of all these different systems yeah. and basically we can we can help uh, traditional banks become very customer centric, customer experience led because we can get into the different data silos yeah. and help them engage with their customers in that personalized fashion, even while they're doing their transformational programs. Yeah. I guess if you look at somebody like a bank, backbone is always going to be Cobol. So, friend, thinking about that, I mean, I, I did Cobol's college years ago and it's 
thank the bank silver lining that so much it's hard to believe well I tell you what you're 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 a very valued person if you can still do cobalt cobalt all right no, uh, like there there's uh, you know uh, ask any traditional large traditional bank medium sized traditional bank globally they're still they're uh, they're they're very uh, scarce on the ground. Yeah, I know that if you go to back to all these old bank telling machines, ATMs, most of them are still based back on this cobble. Yeah, yeah. And it's hard to believe that actually that that's still the case. And when you see these guys getting money for doing a uh, certain obscure languages, get paid a lot of money. I'm thinking if you're doing that, if you're doing cobble, you're going to get paid more. And those guys are doing the extreme languages, so it's kind of correct. It's strange to see that it's still there, uh, relevant. Yeah, but you would also say it shows you, you know, in fairness. Um, everything has been tried to be progressed in the yeah. banking but like you know you're dealing with a multi layers of customers yeah. multi layers of technology and then you have compliance legal licensing all that kind of yeah. regulation stuff going on uh, so look at I suppose I, I think they're working exceptionally hard on it um, yeah. and I think it will uh, you know I think what you'll see in 2020 2021 uh, is you'll see a lot of traditional banks now have that um um, a get their back end systems in better, um, kind of better order. Yeah. All right, because they have big transformational programs going on. But also they'll have that customer experience layer at the front end, yeah. where you and I, when we go in and we want to do X, Y, and Z, we'll be able to do that. So, uh, yeah, I do. And and, and what's forcing that is obviously consumer ex- yeah. consumers, but also the the challenger banks are really pushing the boundaries and they're getting traction, uh, and that is. Uh, you know, competition in anything helps yeah. everything. You know, and I guess it's because if you're a challenger bank, you you're stuck with scratch blank canvas. Yes, and you can get their technology and use that. Whereas if you're an older bank, you better use technology that can fit in what you already have. So legacy is making new, and, and at times there's going to be challenge. How, how do you make sure that it's going to work? Well, sir, and that is and that is that you know they're the big decisions that that that, that the bankers are, are making right now because you have to service your current yeah. customer base. At the same time of bringing your 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 kind of technology stack up to two thousand and twenty, yeah. right, without having downtime or as little downtime as possible, and you have a lot of other kind of internal and external yeah. factors going on. So so it is it's a major challenge that that all banks globally are having, uh, and they are in fairness. I, I think you know if you if you're to look at it, they're all now. Up for it, and yeah. they're all spending. You know, their investment programs in that is is, is huge. It's like somebody having a system in the background running Windows ninety five, and you're suddenly you're now on Windows ten. So you're looking at it, and that's what it kind of reminds me of. Please. Totally, but then then add this onto it. So you're hundred percent right. But add this. Add that they also you're running on Windows ninety five, yeah. and you need to bring it up to Windows whatever yeah. two thousand and twenty. But you have a million. 10 million, 20 million customers yeah. on, on, on uh, Windows 95. Very, you've got to be exceptionally careful how you migrate, transfer those users yeah. because you lo- you know, uh, it causes serious disruption yeah. uh, on the day-to-day um, needs of the consumers. So that, there's a lot of that going on as well. You yeah. know? I, I, don't think, I don't think the consumer or, or I suppose even us... Uh, um, the Joe public understand that there's a lot of pr- trying to protect the consumer from a kind of a massive wash into the new era. Yeah. You know. So getting back to your 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 uh, what you do, your intelligent engine. How does that work? Our, our sorry. Intelligent engine. Okay. Oh, sorry. It's intelligent engine. So uh, I suppose at our at our at our core, we we do we help uh, companies do four things: acquire, 
engage, yeah. retain, and help them grow their customer base. So when we talk about, we put, you know, as I said, what we do, we put these pieces of software on, on in mobile phone apps, uh, on websites, and we help them understand. So we do a lot of collection of data from all the different sources. Yeah. We then unify that data, uh, help, help, the, help the brands get a single customer view. And then basically, um, that's where the kind of decisioning engine or the intelligent yeah. engine comes in. So we have both rules and machine learning going on in our decisioning engine. So as we can um, redirect where that comes, which channel that comes should go out. So should it go out push? Should it go out SMS? Should it go out email? Should it be an email? Should it be both? Uh, and we have this intelligent kind of brain in the center of our platform that helps um, kind of make those decisions. Uh, so you get best time to send yeah. to the to the customer, best channel to send, you know, based on previous uh, interactions, uh, transactions, etc. cetera, uh, best content to send in yeah. some cases. So, and I think that will just get become more and more uh, relevant and, and kind of honed over the next 12 months. Yeah, I'm thinking if somebody was on a website and won a prize, you might decide to share the information with them on the social media platform. And saying Facebook, Joe, Joe, so and so won a prize. You won't see a man, but he won a prize on this. And then maybe from that, that works to make any customers. Absolutely, yeah. And we're we're able to identify the customers touching that platform if our oh. software is on it, and being able to bring them back in with re-engagement. Yeah. So we can re-engage with those, be them visitors, yeah, or customers. So we are both pre uh, pre registration. So yeah. we can talk to. Users on your website, for example, if it's in publishing or, yeah. or right, or if they're on a on a on a kind of an e-commerce or a banking website where there's a lot of tra- uh, kind of form filling for credit cards or for yeah. for different offers on an e-commerce site, we can identify those touch points and then recover that user to try and see if they can you know fill out the 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 uh, the cart the yeah. shopping cart or the mortgage loan or you know if it's in sports betting and gaming to push them through the registration funnel. Yeah, because I guess the, the hardest thing is to get to, to register. And at the time, if you go to the website and it, it's so complicated to do it, they're going to walk away. Yeah, and I think, look, at that's a really good point. Uh, I think if you look at all of those verticals I talked about, what you'd see is they're all very, very different. Yeah. But there's still only about 20 or 30 journeys that each customer yeah. does. Uh, and what we have also in our arsenal is this orchestration tool which you know in layman's terms is like a whiteboard on a on a on a um, on your laptop or on, on your on your yeah. digital all right where you can actually drag and drop you can basically map out your journeys for the customer mm-hmm. so yeah. if it's a registration journey you will map out that journey of how you want that user to have that great experience okay yeah. and then within those journeys what no other provider has mm-hmm. is we can actually we can click on the journey builder and basically put in the comms. Okay, I, I want this to be an SMS if if that person doesn't get through registration. I want this to be a push notification yeah. if they check out. You know, all that kind of good stuff. So uh, we, we're we're able to on, on a basically on a canvas. Yeah. We're able to on a digital canvas. We're able to map out that journey and then add the the, the comms journey for the for the user experience yeah. within it. So maybe it's like an on that flowchart. That's exactly what it is. Only a a zooped up one where you can actually add all your channels of communication, be it web, email, SMS, push, in-app messaging, you know, pop-ups, and you can do it within that user journey. So you can reimagine 
reimagine registration, yeah. be it a bank or be it uh, be it um, uh, e-commerce uh, or be it sports betting and gaming, and you say, okay, well that was where we were. Here's a better user experience, and what we 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 kind of talk about these. Uh, digital nudge programs yeah. where you can actually see that journey and you put in these different messaging as you go through that flow. Yeah, and I guess because of that way, it's not each person's got a unique new experience. It's not standardized. Correct. Which means that they're going to enjoy it more so because not going to feel, oh, I've got to fill this phone, but I don't need to. I don't. It asks you questions that don't need to be asked. Correct. Yeah. Correct. Correct. So I've seen that before in the past. We use stuff on that. And it, it's so, so it's 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 personal. It's time relevant. It you know cuts down. We're in a we're in a we're in a we're in a kind of a, a culture of, of of instant gratification. Yeah. So you need to get through that process pretty rapidly to give your customer a really good experience. And, and also, you need to be saying stuff yeah. to them that is hyper personalized. And also, you know, if they're in an area where there isn't great uh, data coverage, they're not going to spend ages filling the form, and it takes too long to transmit back and forth. Correct. You're on the money. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I've seen that. Like, if you're if you're on a certain place in Ireland and the coverage is very low, we make sure whatever they're filling in the data they have to require filling is going to be too intensive. So it, when you send the data off, it's not going to take ten years to get there. It'll take about ten minutes or less than that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So uh, where do you see yourselves going in the next five years? Uh, good question. Um, I suppose two things. We've had a phenomenal year this year. Um, we've had. Um, uh, 2019, we've had a, n- a number of um, things happen. We got yeah. into the mar- uh, we got recognised by Gartner Magic Quadrant uh, for sort of top 18 yeah. service providers in the world now uh, for mobile and multi-channel um, engagement. Yeah. Uh, up there with the likes of the Oracles, the IBMs, the kind of behemoths that we all know. Uh, but we're purpose built, unlike them. Yeah. Uh, and then we had a few other uh, great, we, a few other things happen this year in, in, in 2019 around kind of, we were in the Deloitte uh, Fast 50, got a customer experience award for financial services, which is really important yeah. for us because we lean heavily into uh, financial services. Um, and then lastly, only last week, we, we, uh, we secured the best marketing and service uh, provider globally for the sports betting and gaming market. We, we service five out of the top 10 providers in, in, uh, in sports betting and gaming. So 19 has been phenomenal. Yeah. Uh, 20 uh, I, I don't like looking at five year look if the truth be known yeah. because I think that the industry as a whole has uh, is moving at a rate that I've never seen before it used to be 18 months uh, functionality change 12 yeah. 6 it's now every 6 weeks alright you know so we have to go at that pace so for us to 20 to 21 so if we look 24 months out I think there's a few things happening the industries are converging I think you're going to see the push that we're pushing globally around uh, one platform or yeah. less platforms is going to become more important. Uh, I think our, our we have a very aggressive roadmap around um, channels, new yeah. channels, uh, ML, more ML in our product, um, um, probably touching on advertising, yeah. you know, because we're doing it already insofar as we're, we're helping our brands uh uh, kind of build custom audiences for advertising, mm-hmm. uh, and then we're you know our three pillars of growth, as in revenue growth, um, is around you know organic growth. We did eighty five percent SaaS growth this year, all right, which is which is pretty aggressive and pretty uh, pretty strong. Yeah. Um, 
our distribution we want to get much better globally so yeah. you know uh, having technology partners having agency partners having um, um, you know all that kind of distribution reach and I suppose the last pillar for us is all around acquisition yeah. where our, 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 our growth is um, we are we have already done one acquisition and I think you'll hear a lot more about the acquisitions that we have in the pipeline over the next three to six months yeah you mentioned SAS I think SAS and PASS are going to be very useful to you guys because the costs coming in you're going to do more with that. Yeah, well, SaaS is SaaS is our business. You know, we're 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 a licensing business. Yeah, we do uh, we do lean in uh, consulting wise as well. Uh, but uh, SaaS is is our core uh, business, and I think it's very scalable uh, uh, that way. You know, uh, and we've uh, you know from a, from a people perspective, uh, we want to. We're now at about uh, sixty people. Yeah. Uh, as of this month, uh, so we want to grow that uh, base as well as we grow, uh, but we want to do it in a sustainable and profitable fashion, uh, yeah. and we want to grow hard, you know, hard and fast that way. And are you going to open an office in America or anywhere else? So we have an office in America. Yeah. We have an office in NYC. Okay, yeah. uh, and but what we intend to do is a really good question, actually, Ron. We we our next pillars of growth geographically are going to be uh, new um, state side, yeah. as in US, uh, primarily starting in in NYC for a number yeah. of reasons, um, and so we will put more uh, boots on the ground there uh, over the next three to six months, and then the other area which is really interesting for us is Asia Pac. Yeah. All right. Uh, so um, kind of Singapore, kind of a, a hub in Singapore. Uh, would be would be nice to have over the next six to twelve months. And I guess Brexit won't be a good problem for you guys because you're looking at Asia and also America. Yeah, well, look, at, we we have it. So 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 we own we own a UK business. Yeah. So 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 we you know there's a lot of uh, pros and cons for that. But basically, I don't. I, I think I think everybody. The Brexit question is uh, every every day. But I think we're. It has affected us insofar as we've had to put uh, things in place that we may not have had to do. Yeah. All right, uh, technology wise. Uh, which, which so we're in really good order for that, but I think yes because we're uh, we're facing globally rather than uh, UK, yeah. then we won't uh, it, it shouldn't um, uh, affect us as yeah. much. Uh, and in fact, you know, you could say we have a hedge because we also have a, a very large UK base. Yeah, I guess because basically your your company doesn't be really, UK isn't your biggest market. You no, can, not at all. And because you got a company to actually bought. You can you can basically stick to that market through them, and then everything else is going to go through anywhere else you want to go to. That's exactly it. Yeah. And if long term wise you want to go somewhere like maybe outer space, twenty years time. Yeah. We'll leave that. We'll leave that to Elon Musk. No, yeah, it's only twenty years time. Then we doing basically uh, gaming in space. Yeah, yeah. Well, I I I look forward to reading that. I, yeah. I I'd like to be one of the ones up there, but I I, t- I take it I take it uh, Elon Musk will uh, will be the first fella to do all of that. Yeah, I can listen, Michael, because I know that at the moment, you know, well, because the moment I can just see him up there in space smoking a doobie and just <laughs> making some comments they shouldn't make, and then and you're going, well, actually, how can we charge him? Because he's not on Earth. Yeah, like, yeah. What laws do we yeah, use yeah, yeah, to charge yeah. him? We've got a special FX currency yeah. rate. Yeah, it's going to be a know? space law that yeah. have and all that. And if you're, if you're actually doing stuff on, in space, what you guys? What regulation do you use? Because you're not you're not placed in, in any uh, country as yeah, such. Yeah, yeah, no, agreed. Yeah, <laughs> I can see that. <laughs> yeah, no, no, it's it's there's a there's there's a lot of, there's a lot of stuff out there. Yeah. Anything else about the podcast? Um, no, not really. I, yeah. I don't think so. Um, I, look, it's been great to talk to you. Yeah. Uh, um. So yeah. Yeah, good luck on your journey, and Tommy, and uh, have a have a great day. Don't mind the weather; it's going to get better. <laughs> Thank you, and. Have-